Today, companies aren't just entities that make things. Today, companies are entities that stand for things. And when you buy something, you not only buy what they do, you buy why they do it. So I honestly think a purpose-driven company is the very best thing for society. Welcome back to The Bit, where we break down what's happening in markets and explore the forces shaping investing. I'm your host, Catherine Kress. The overarching view for decades, if not centuries, was that a company's mission is to create profits and drive value for its shareholders. But in recent years, that view has changed. Companies need to do more than just generate profits. They need to have a purpose. Employees are demanding it, customers are expecting it, and communities are requiring it. In the wake of the COVID-19 pandemic, the expectations for companies to lead with purpose has only intensified. BlackRock Chief Marketing Officer Frank Cooper and Airbnb CEO Brian Chesky recently sat down at the BlackRock Future Forum, a virtual event for thousands of BlackRock clients covering topics ranging from technology and the future of investing to healthcare and post-COVID governance. Today, we're sharing their conversation on why company purpose is more important than ever in times of crisis. We hope you enjoy. We're at a critical moment in our society overall, but we're also at a critical moment in business where purpose during this crisis, I believe, will become one of the most critical factors in determining who emerges from the crisis more strongly. But the fundamental question we hear virtually every day from leaders who are grappling with purpose is how do you make it real? And how do you actually make it real in periods of a social crisis? I want to start by digging into how purpose is discovered or revealed. My view is that purpose is not invented, it's revealed or discovered, but specifically how Airbnb found its purpose, its why. It's 2007, 2008. You're living in San Francisco. It's the beginning of the global financial crisis. Millions of people are losing their jobs, and there's a critical election coming up. And in the midst of all of this, this chaos, this anxiety, and this uncertainty, you decide to launch Airbnb. In the beginning, at that moment, was your focus on purpose? Was it purpose-driven action or was it something else? And if not, if it wasn't started with that, how did Airbnb find its way to being a purpose-driven company? That first weekend, my purpose was to make rent so I had a place to live. I mean, the way it started, I just turned 26 years old. I was a designer by background. I'm living in San Francisco, my roommate, Joe, and we don't even have enough money to pay our rent. And it turns out that weekend, an international design conference was coming to San Francisco. All the hotels were sold out. And we had an idea. We said, what if we just turned our house into a bed and breakfast for the design conference? I didn't have any beds, but Joe had three air beds. We pulled the air beds out of the closet. We called it airbedandbreakfast.com. We ended up hosting three people that weekend, Michael, Kat, and Amol. Well, we were able to make rent. That was pretty important. But something more special than that happened. You know, these three designers ended up living with us. We brought them into our homes. We introduced them to our friends. We took them to this conference. We kind of shared our hopes and dreams and what we wanted to do in our lives. And that's, I think, when we realized there was something deeper here. And we thought, wow, we can get paid to meet cool people. And I asked Joe, who's the best engineer? You know, he said, my old roommate Nate is. And we set out to build Airbnb. But to answer your question, it wasn't until years later when we actually put words to what we did. Airbnb back then was the power of human connection, the idea that you could have a meaningful connection with somebody else. And so years later, 
we kind of put words to it. And we basically said our purpose is really this idea that you can belong anywhere. And I think that a mission is the reason people actually come to work every day. It's the reason people actually buy your products. It's the reason that people actually want you to exist. I imagine some CEOs and leaders are thinking, okay, Brian, that sounds great. Yeah, you're from Silicon Valley. You guys have the high-minded ideas and ideals, and you guys are always pushing the envelope. My company, we've been around for 50, 75, 100 years. Is this purpose thing, is it just for newer companies, for the kind of leading edge companies that are starting out. If you were advising a CEO at a company that's been around for 50 to 100 years, what would you say to that CEO about purpose-driven leadership within their company? I would repeat back something you said, and I'll just add to it. You said companies don't invent their purpose, they discover it. If that's true, and a company's been around for 80 years, then they already have a purpose. They already have ways of doing things. They already are distinct. I love that when somebody once said, imagine your company is on the brink of disappearing and or it does disappear and your customers and your employees and your partners have to go to your eulogy for your company. What would they say? Whatever they'd say at the eulogy, that's why you actually exist. And I never really thought I'd have to ever have done that exercise in my head until four months ago when a global pandemic shuts down all of travel and suddenly our business flashes before our eyes. You know, what's fascinating is that if you rewind back a couple of years and you looked at book titles, there are a bunch of books with the word purpose in the title. A bunch of CEOs and leaders were saying, hey, I'm purpose-driven. And the economy was doing fairly well. People were feeling good. Stock price was strong. We're now in the midst of a deep crisis. And some of the skeptics will say, you know what? That purpose thing was fascinating. I want to hold on to it, but I'm going to put it on hold right now because I'm in the crisis and I'm fighting for my survival. What's your perspective? How do you manage Airbnb through this tumultuous time where we are trying to survive, but we also want to emerge stronger? How do you put purpose in perspective in a time of crisis? Well, honestly, I can't think of a better time to put purpose into the center of the company in a time of crisis. In other words, a way a company could discover its purpose is to look at prior crisis and see how they handled it and what emerged and what was unique. I just want to back up and say the following. I came back from the holidays, like many people who are fortunate enough to go somewhere for vacation. And I came back this January feeling pretty good about myself and pretty good about the company. We had a pretty good run over 10 or 12 years, and we were planning to go public. And then suddenly, within six weeks, we lost 80% of our business, 80% of what we had built more than a decade creating. And in that moment, I saw our business flash before our eyes. It felt like I was staring into a travel abyss. There were reporters writing headlines like, will Airbnb exist and will they survive the coronavirus? And in the midst of the crisis, suddenly when your business drops by 80%, everything breaks at once. I'll give you an example. We had more than $1 billion of reservations that customers, guests, had booked on Airbnb. It wasn't our money. It wasn't the host money. It was money we were holding on behalf of the host. And you pay the host when the guest checks in. Suddenly, more than a billion dollars of cancellations come in. What do you do when a billion dollars worth of customers want their money back, but the people that depend on the money host are telling you they need this money to pay their rent or their mortgage? That was the first test. And how do you manage multiple stakeholders? We were going to have to make a series of defining decisions during this crisis, and that these decisions were going to be leaving indelible marks for over the course of a decade. And I decided at that moment as a team that we were not going to make, quote, business decisions. We were going to make 
quote, principal decisions. A business decision is a decision you make when you try to optimize for the outcome, and the outcome usually benefits the corporation. A principal decision says, you know what? Things are so bad. They're so crazy. I don't know how they're going to end. How do I want to be remembered? So we decided to refund the guests because we didn't want them feeling like they were going to moral hazard traveling in the midst of a pandemic. We ended up giving $250 million of our own money to hosts. We didn't ask for the money back. That was a big deal. And then we had to do a series of other decisions. And in that crisis, I started getting emails and calls and text messages from early employees, early community members, reading these articles saying, we do want Airbnb to exist. And I started asking myself, why do they want us to exist? It's the idea that at the end of the day, what we're really just trying to do is help bring people together in communities all over the world. And that is a pretty special thing. And it's actually even more special now during a pandemic, because there's also another pandemic or epidemic happening in this world. It's an epidemic of loneliness, an epidemic of division, an epidemic of disconnection, isolation, race. And they're all things that are basically obstacles to people connecting and coexisting together. As we get more digitally connected, it doesn't seem like it's totally getting better. You know, your purpose is likely how you survive the crisis, not something you put on the shelf to revisit after the end of the crisis. What's fascinating about that, you mentioned earlier, purpose requires courage and commitment and consistency. What you just explained certainly demonstrates that. The other interesting thing about a deep social crisis is it reveals the pain points and the tensions that exist beneath the surface of everyday life in society. And the coronavirus pandemic has, among other things, brought to the surface of mainstream culture issues of racial injustice and racial inequity, as well as the related topic of diversity and inclusion. As Airbnb seeks to create a community and connection through hosts and guests, how do you think about mitigating the inevitable challenge of bias? Yeah, it is a big challenge. And I have to admit, my co-founders, Joe, Nate, and I, three white guys that were about 25, 26 years old starting Airbnb, we hadn't experienced what others in our community experienced. In 2016, there was a hashtag on Twitter that was trending. And the hashtag was hashtag Airbnb while black. And that was basically a bunch of black guests, primarily African-American United States, although it was really a global phenomenon, but mostly the attention was the United States, were describing discrimination and bias that they were experiencing when they tried to book an Airbnb. Because an Airbnb, you often would see the photo of the guest. The whole point was to connect. Well, when there's an opportunity for connect, there's also an opportunity for discrimination and bias. And this became an existential crisis for us, right? If our whole purpose is to help bring people together, discrimination and bias is a major obstacle to that purpose. We declared it emergency. And I think one of the things is a lot of times I think there's an instinct of leaders when there's a crisis to not jump on it right away. We always wanted to feel like we made a bigger deal about a crisis than the public did. So if the public is a eight out of 10 on outrage about the crisis, we're gonna be a 20 out of 10 because either we get dragged into the future, kicking and screaming, or we can lead our way into the future. And always the goal was we must do more than the world expects. Because if you do what the world expects of you, you get zero credit. You always end up falling short. So we said, we have to skate into the future of where the world is going and choose to be a mirror of society where it wants to be. But that gets really hard because now you have to start admitting stuff like you're not where you need to be. So we did a whole bunch of work. And over the last four years, it's culminated in a partnership with the largest online civil rights group in America, Color of Change. They've never done a partnership with a tech company before. And we partnered with them 
to work on a project called Project Lighthouse, which essentially is a huge commitment to try to end discrimination on our platform by measuring it. No internet company has tried to measure the amount of bias and discrimination on their platform in a systematic way. And while working with privacy groups, we are going to now measure the amount of discrimination bias that we can see on the platform so we can better design the platform to hopefully reduce it in the years ahead. Because if our purpose is to do something, then we got to be honest, this is an obstacle to it. And this has to be a priority to address. So that's the journey we were on. And I'm sure people recognize and they commend you and Airbnb for embracing purpose and ESG and diversity and inclusion. And that's all great. But is it profitable? Do you see purpose and profit being at odds? Today, companies aren't just entities that make things. Today, companies are entities that stand for things. And when you buy something, you not only buy what they do, you buy why they do it. That is how billions of young consumers are going to think. Businesses are becoming so big. I think the best thing for shareholders is that society wants you to exist. So I honestly think a purpose-driven company is the very best thing for society. In the midst of the crisis, our business drops by 80%. And we don't know how long the recovery is. And we made a series of decisions that we thought were the right things, not knowing what the outcome would look like. And something kind of remarkable started happening. Our business started coming back. I can't prove to you all the reasons why that is. And there's probably a whole bunch of systemic, industry-oriented wins to our back that afforded that, and it might be pent-up demand. But I will say, I do think that there was some benefit to some of the decisions we did make that I think drew people back to Airbnb. I do think people pay attention. And as the problems of the world get bigger, almost every problem in the world is a global problem. There's very few problems that are limited to a single geography. And I think if there was ever an example that this pandemic's a reminder, that problems are global and they can't just be governments rising to the occasion. They're going to be companies and that citizens are watching because citizens are also consumers. And so honestly, I think the very best thing for business and for shareholders, for companies, for people that want these companies to exist. And I think here's a way forward, something that Larry Fink talks about, just following your purpose. I love that. Brian, I think we have time for one last question. What I found is that the work I've done around purpose is that when the employees, the workforce, they have a personal connection to the true purpose of a company, it flourishes. How do you get it into the hearts and minds of the workforce? It's a really good question. A lot of crazy things we did. I interviewed the first 400 employees and around the first 100 or so, I tried to convince them to join. And after that, my final interview, I tried to convince you not to join because I realized I'd rather make sure you really, really want to be here rather than trying to sell you to be here. So we tried to really make sure that everyone came for the right reasons. We created these things called core values interviews, where we trained people that weren't in the direct line of reporting of the person interviewing to be able to interview the people just for culture, just to make sure they will be successful here. And they had a veto that the hiring manager couldn't override, can only get escalated to me. That was actually really, really important. I also think Employees notice every defining action you make. Your culture are your most defining actions. It's the rituals, the rhythms, the things that happen when you're not in the room, but it's also the things that are most defining. Whatever those most defining things are, are the things that represent your purpose because everything you do ideally ladders up to that. Brian, thank you so much. That was a fascinating conversation. And I want to thank you for taking time out of your schedule to spend time with us at the BlackRock Future Forum. 
I personally am encouraged and energized by the thoughts and actions that you shared with us about purpose-driven leadership. We wish you and the entire Airbnb community well. This material is for informational purposes and is prepared by BlackRock, is not intended to be relied upon as a forecast, research, or investment advice, and is not a recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any securities or to adopt any investment strategy. The opinions expressed are as of the date of publication and are subject to change. The information and opinions contained in this material are derived from proprietary and non-proprietary sources deemed by BlackRock to be reliable and are not guaranteed as to accuracy or completeness. This material may contain forward-looking information that is not purely historical in nature. There is no guarantee that any forecast made will come to pass. Reliance upon information in this material is at the sole discretion of the listener. Past performance is not indicative of current or future results. This information provided is neither tax nor legal advice, and investors should consult with their own advisors before making investment decisions. The value of investments and the income from them can go down as well as up, and you may not get back the amount invested. In the U.S. and Canada, this material is intended for public distribution. In the U.K., this is issued by BlackRock Investment Management UK Limited, authorized and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority, registered office 12 Throgmorton Avenue, London, EC2N 2DL, telephone plus 44020, 7743-3000. Registered in England and Wales, number 202-0394. For your protection, telephone calls are usually recorded. BlackRock is a trading name of BlackRock Investment Management UK Limited. In Singapore, this is issued by BlackRock Singapore Limited, co-registration number 2000-10143N. In Hong Kong, this material is issued by BlackRock Asset Management, North Asia Limited, and has not been reviewed by the Securities and Futures Commission of Hong Kong. In Australia, issued by BlackRock Investment Management, Australia Limited, ABN 13-006-165-975-AFSL-230-523, BIMAL. The material provides general information only and does not take into account your individual objectives, financial situation, needs, or circumstances. In Latin America, this material is for educational purposes only and does not constitute investment advice nor an offer or solicitation to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy any shares of any fund. No securities regulators in Latin America have confirmed the accuracy of any information contained herein. The provision of investment management and investment advisory services is a regulated activity in Mexico, thus is subject to strict rules. For more information on the investment advisory services offered by BlackRock Mexico, please refer to the Investment Services Guide, available at www.blackrock.com. Copyright 2019, BlackRock Inc. All rights reserved. BlackRock is a registered trademark of BlackRock Inc. All other trademarks are those of their respective owners.